Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, Miss Anita. It's good to see Miss Anita uh, a little more mobile and uh, uh, walking on her feet. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Appreciate her love uh, for uh, those good songs and sharing that with us. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, to take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at the story of the widow's son raised. Uh, Next week, we will be celebrating Easter. Easter Sunday is here. And uh, always an exciting time. Uh, Of course, you know, that's kind of man's, uh, and I believe it's about the right time of year, don't get me wrong. Uh, But uh, 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 one day a year that we focus in, uh, certainly on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, but uh, before there was a resurrection, there was a cross, and before there was a cross, there was a life that Jesus lived and, and teachings and those types of things, and certainly that's something that we should celebrate each and every day, amen? And, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, times, uh, really what we do every Sunday morning uh, and what every church ought to do or the the uh, main focus and and uh, influence, as far as the service goes, should be all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For if there was no resurrection of Christ, then there would be no reason for us to be here this morning, uh, other than to be with one another, and that's okay. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But uh, there would be no reason to come and glorify God if we had not a risen Savior. And uh, so I praise the Lord uh, that Jesus has uh, uh, rose from the grave. Amen. I praise the Lord that he went to a cross. And uh, so uh, this isn't necessarily a typical Palm Sunday message, and uh, I, I don't know, I've never really been one to hold real strong to certain days anyway. I just kind of preach what God lays on my heart. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, but uh, I just want to take you to a story about a mother who lost her young son and how God came upon this uh, event and how this young man was raised from the dead. So it's just simply entitled, The Widow's Son Raised, if you have your Bibles, hope that you do. Let's all stand in reverence to the Word of God. just want to read a few verses. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We're beginning with verse 11. Again, we're looking at the widow's son raised. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 11. So, Luke seven eleven. And then verse 11, it says, And it came to pass the day after, uh, the day after that he had healed a centurion's servant. And we know that if you read the verses previous to that. It says, it came to pass uh, uh, the day after that he, that is Jesus, went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Uh, now when he came nigh uh, to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, notice that he saw her as an individual, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came, and he touched the bier, that is a coffin, and they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up, Amen, and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, uh, I understand that, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, And that God hath visited his people. Verse 17, in this rumor, that is this story of him, went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Again, we're looking at the widow's son raised. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching and teaching and reading of the word of God this morning. We thank you 
Uh, Father, for the great time we've had in the Lord thus far. Uh, Father, our Sunday school lesson, the fellowship uh, before and, and after Sunday school, and uh, Father, the music and the singing, the special. Lord, you've been good to us today. And Father, I pray now, as we often do, that we might just put the cares and concerns and responsibilities of this world off to the side for just a few moments here, that we might be able to focus in on the Word of God. And Father, we'll give you the praise, we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the honor for it all. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I like that verse 16, I like part of verse 16, where it says, God hath visited his people. And certainly that was true, God had and was visiting uh, his people, but it certainly wasn't through a prophet as was indicated there. Uh, They saw Jesus merely as a prophet. But actually, literally speaking, in Christ, God himself uh, had visited his people. And the reason I want to bring that up is because, you know, if we don't have the proper perspective of God, um, it's probably because we don't have the proper perspective of Jesus Christ. In other words, we'll never have the proper perspective of God until we have a proper perspective of Jesus Christ. And and when the proper perspective of Christ is missed, really the true belief system, or some of the old folks would say true religion, uh, really is spoiled. And we see that in a lot of the belief systems uh, uh, that are very popular today. We may think of Mormonism or the Jehovah's Witness or uh, Catholicism, Islam. All these belief systems, they do not see Christ in the proper perspective. And so, therefore, they don't have a proper perspective of God himself. And so that's why it's important to have a good understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And I might even ask us as believers, I believe you can be saved. And I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I had a lot of growing to do. There was a lot of things about Christ I didn't understand. I understood that I was saved, uh, but I was just a babe in Christ. I was just, in many ways, I still am. I was still on the milk of the Word, and I had some growing to do. Amen? And we do that by getting to know Jesus Christ better and better every day. And so I might just even ask this morning as I think about the little experiment that we had down there. And I don't know if you guys could tell it, but my heart was beating about 120 beats per second because I just knew that bottom was going to fall off of there. (laughs) But it didn't. And so I praise the Lord. But when we think about that little illustration there, Christian, are you, are you trusting Him this morning? And, and I know you've trusted Him as your Savior. But are you, are you, when I say trusting him, I'm really saying, are you living for him 100%? I mean, that's what trusting God is all about. No, or are you following him 100%? Is he truly the Lord of your life? And do you commune with him daily uh, through the word of God and prayers we're often taught and reminded of through teaching and preaching of the word of God? So again, it's a great, great question. Uh, again, they said God hath visited his people, and I believe that the Christian can visit with Christ any time they want to. And as we look at the raising of the widow's son, and how, again, Jesus being there, that is God himself visited those people that day, we really see some wonderful, uh, comforting, uh, encouraging uh, things or attributes, if you will, of our Lord and Savior. And it's just a real simple message this morning and, and just some things that I think will encourage your heart and bless your life. And number one, we, as we look at this story, we see a Savior who cares. That's been coming up a lot lately in my messages, uh, uh, you know, maybe just certain points and our Sunday school lesson, those types of things. And, and we find Christ headed to a small village, the small village of Nain. 
N-A-I-N. And people were, as we saw there, they were beginning to join him and follow him along the way. Uh, he had a very big crowd of, of people that were with him. And we understand that not everybody that quote-unquote follows Christ is in Christ. And I'm sure the same was there that day as well. They weren't really looking for a Savior. They were looking for somebody that maybe they could heal them or, or give them something to eat, those types of things. A lot of people were probably just following him out of curiosity. But but I, I believe, though, that, that this big group of people, uh, although, you know, his popularity... Uh, certainly was growing, but a lot of people really missed exactly who he was. But even with that said, I, I can't help but think that there was probably a, a festive type of atmosphere. You know, you have this group of people, he's become popular, they're excited about this prophet, which we, he was more than a prophet, amen, he was God. Uh, and there was some smiling, no doubt, and, and I'm assuming some things here, uh, laughing. Uh, I believe it was a happy occasion uh, as they headed toward the front gate of the city of Nain. But coming from Nain was another group of people. And they certainly were not in a festive mood. Uh, uh, not at all, as we see there uh, in uh, verse 12. Uh, it says, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. So a, a different uh, atmosphere, if you will, a different uh, uh, a group of people, and yet they met here, and you had this group of people that wasn't festive, they weren't happy, they weren't smiling, they weren't laughing, there was sadness, there was hurting, there was crying uh, in this crowd, no doubt, and no doubt Jesus, I believe, he probably, well not probably, I know he had compassion on every soul there that day. I believe he cared deeply about all of them, uh, was hurting because they were hurting but there was one particular person who caught his attention. And it's the deceased, the young man's mother. In verse 13, it says, The Lord saw her and had compassion on her. And that's a wonderful thing to think about. Uh, that means a lot of things. He cared deeply about this individual. And as I said, no doubt, we don't know what kind of family members were there and friends. There were a lot of people that were hurting there that day, but no doubt she probably hurt the most. Her heart had the greatest need, if you will, at the moment. And it's the same for us today. You know, last week in our message, we talked about how God doesn't see us as a flock of sheep, but He sees us as individual lambs. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful thought that God sees us? Uh, he recognizes us and He has compassion on us. He's able to look upon us and know when we're hurting on the inside. A lot of times people are hurting uh, uh, very badly, but no one could tell because they you know, are able to put on a front or what have you. Uh, they're not wanting to reveal the hurts inside of them. But God knows. He knows the hurt that's on the inside, and He has compassion, and He cares. I want, to, I want you to understand, He cares for the individual. And that's an amazing thought. What is compassion? We might think, well, it's you know having pity on someone. It's feeling sorry for someone. But it's really a great deal more than that. You know, sometimes you may see somebody going through a hard time and go, boy, I really hate that for them. But 30 minutes later, they're not even on your mind anymore. But compassion, one preacher explained it this way, it means to have someone's hurt in your heart. Wow. 
to have somebody, when somebody is hurting, you have that same hurt in your heart for their benefit. That's what compassion is, biblical compassion. And that's what Jesus had. Christ, as a man, uh, though he was God, he was 100% man, and he felt this more than anyone, I believe, as he hung on the cross of Calvary. As we kind of jump ahead here a little bit. I cannot imagine the physical pain. I cannot even begin to comprehend all of that. But I believe in my heart of hearts that there was even a greater pain that Jesus endured on Calvary. I believe he felt that day as the Bible reveals in his own, listen, his own precious and sinless heart. He felt the sin, the hurt, and the pain of the whole world. Despite the physical pain. He bore the hurt of every human soul that had ever been born and was going to be born. He felt the hurt of every one of them on the cross of Calvary. He had compassion in a way that no one else could ever understand or do. And he felt that day in his own uh, uh, precious and sinless heart the hurt of the whole world. And only a God who cares, only a God of compassion could do such a thing, and we ought not ever get tired of that. Amen? That ought to do something to your heart each and every time you hear to think about it. And we see there Jesus told this widow to weep not. And I've heard some well-meaning preachers, I suppose. I want to be careful. They're better men than I. But I've heard some messages on weep where it says to weep not. And I didn't really agree with everything that was said. In other words, what I'm saying is, I don't, I don't think we give this verse justice if we use it to tell hurting folks, you ought not cry. The Bible says, the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus what? He wept. So Jesus himself wept. So why would he tell this woman not to weep? And of course, we have the hindsight. We have the scriptures. He's telling her not to weep. Basically what he's saying is you don't need to cry anymore because I'm fixing to take that source of weeping away. Hey, man. That's what he was saying. He was going to raise her son and so she could stop weeping and rejoice. I can't help but think of that. That was a pretty joyful reunion, would you believe not? I mean, between those loved ones, even though it would probably only been a day or so, maybe even shorter. But it did get me to thinking about when we see those who have died in Christ before us, we're going to see them again. Amen. First Thessalonians teaches a lot about that. And it teaches that we're not to sorrow as those who have no hope. And those that die without Christ and those that live without Christ, they don't have that hope. And most likely, we'll never see our loved ones raised from the dead in this fashion. But we're going to see them again. Amen. In the resurrection of the just, that is, the saved. But number one, we see a Savior who cares. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment, about seeing loved ones. But we also have a Savior who is powerful. We see there in verse 14, And he, Jesus, came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began speaking, or began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. That's power. You know, when we think about death, Jesus has the power over one of man's, maybe the greatest fear known to man is death. And even though we may not fear our own death in some ways, we certainly fear the death of those that we love. So I'm just saying, in the scheme of things, death is a, is a huge thing. It's a huge power 
that man can't, mankind struggles with. We know we're going to go to heaven. We know Jesus saved us, but there's still that sting of death, if you will. And it's a fear. Death is something that strikes fear within the human soul. But Jesus Christ has power over death. Amen. He even had power over his own death. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Amen. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And that's what it says, amen. I'm not just amen. It says amen. But all amen, they amen. And they have the, and have the keys, that is Jesus of hell and death. He's got power. John chapter 11, verse 25, 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I believe it. Because we have a God that's almighty and all-powerful. And for those who are in Christ, we really do, uh, we really do not need to worry about death because Christ has power over death. And I think it was Tom Malone that I, I didn't hear him say it, but I read it one time, a um, great preacher from the past, but he said, the day that we die will be our greatest day, for that is the day we see Christ face to face. Wow. Can't argue with that, can you? Part of me wants to, but I can't, because it's true. Amen. He tells this, Woman, to fear not. You don't need to fear death. I was thinking about others in the Bible that Christ raised. We have three. Uh, that would include this young man here. I've always wondered about where they went when they died. You know, you have all these people that say they've died and went to heaven. Some of them went to hell and they come back. I, I don't really buy into all that. But, but here we have, we have three we know did die. And I, I've always wondered about where they went. I've asked some preachers, and they just, well, this is what they do. They sit there, and they stare at me, and they go, I don't know. <laughs> um, what did they experience? You know, that's something that's always fascinated me. Uh, because it wasn't a near-death experience that they had. They were dead. They were dead in every sense of the word dead, just like Jesus was dead on the cross. So whether it was this young man, whether it was Lazarus or the, the little girl, they were all dead. But when Jesus spoke to this young man, when he spoke to Lazarus, when he spoke to that little girl, I'm not sure where they were, but they heard him. <laughs> Amen. They heard him. And I praise the Lord for that. Lazarus, come forth. What happened? Well, he came forth. He told that little girl, I think, made arise, and, and she arose. I think the Bible says straightway. He told this young man uh, there, in verse 14, uh, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise! And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. What an amazing thought that is. We have a Savior who is powerful that has conquered death even. we got a powerful Savior. So we learn from this miracle, number one, we have a Savior who cares. We have a Savior who is powerful. Number three, we have a Savior who reunites. I've kind of already touched on this a little bit already, but I want to go back and talk about some things here for just a moment. The joyful reunion of loved ones in heaven, that's a wonderful thing to consider. Amen? And I think I've shared this with you or tried to explain it to you before, and there's probably many of you in here that understands what I'm saying. 
that those that you are the closest to, those that were your best friends, those your closest family members, we get to a certain point in our age, the older we get, that we got more of those kinds of folks in heaven than we do here on earth. You understand what I'm saying? And I think the older we get, the more that happens. Heaven's sounding sweeter all the time, amen? And I think about that, and it has to bring a, uh, you know, I have many loved ones that have gone on, and, and but there's a smile that comes across my face when I think about those that were that, that are saved and that are there even now. And what a great reunion that's going to be. We talked about those that were dead there in the Bible, yet they heard the voice of God. So this tells us that our loved ones, and Paul explains this to the Thessalonian church. It tells us that our loved ones are existing somewhere, listen to me now, consciously. (laughs) That's an amazing thought. They are not in some grave. Yes, their body may be in that grave, but their soul is in the presence of God. Woo! Hallelujah! What a joyful thing that is. It brings a smile to our face, even though we may be missing them. But the Bible says in verse 15 that this young man set up and he spake. He said words. And somebody else wanted to say some words. I started to pray, and Lord, make sure everybody turns their cell phone off, but I feel like I'm nagging you all the time. So I'm going to keep nagging. Verse 15 says this young man set up and spake. Can't you just imagine all the speaking in glory? Of, you know, when loved ones reunite. Isn't that going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing? We were talking about that during our discipleship class Friday. You know, there's times when our hearts long to simply hear the voice of those who have gone on. You know? And, and I, 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 I experience that sometimes. I, you know, I, I miss the voice of, of some of those that, that are dear to me that are in heaven now. You know, to hear them laugh. You know, there's just some people have their own little way of laughing. You go, boy, I want to hear that again. Just to hear them talk. To hear that voice say hello. To hear that voice say, boy, I sure have missed you. And listen to me, if saved, we will speak once again to our loved ones. There's no doubt about that, amen. What a wonderful thought that is. And it's all because we have a Savior who reunites I'm almost done. There's another voice that I long to hear, but it's a voice I've never heard before. It's a voice that I long to hear, but it'll be for the first time. And, of course, you probably realize I'm talking about the voice of Christ. I was thinking about this. I don't know that I've ever heard one. There may be. There probably is. But his voice, I believe, could be a sermon that could be preached sometime. I don't have the ability to do that, but I just always thought that would be a good good message. But he certainly had a voice of compassion. He had a voice of love. He had a voice of comfort and understanding. Yet he also had a voice of authority. He also had the voice of power. He also had the voice of strength. As we think about some of the things he did as a man. And we think about those three instances that Those three came back from the dead, uh, that Christ brought them all back from the dead. The Bible reveals that he spoke to them. He spoke to them. What a tremendous thought that is. And I shared with you a while ago, 
Uh, in uh, Paul explained in First Thessalonians chapter four, he speaks of a time yet to come when Jesus will once again speak to the dead, and I'm talking about the resurrection, Amen. I'm talking about the rapture of the of the church uh, of the dead and those that are alive in Christ. Uh, I suppose again, the voice of God, no doubt, was very uh, the voice of Christ. That is, was very soft at times. But the Bible says He'll descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. And the trump of God, all at once. And I believe that's a sound that none of us have ever heard, but every knee, will, every, every mind will know that that's the voice of God. And whether they accept Him or not, they'll know, even though we haven't heard it before. And just like Lazarus, just like that little girl, just like this young man in our text, the dead in Christ will hear the voice of the Savior. Those that are alive and remain, those that are alive in Christ, those that are saved but not dead, will also be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord. And the Bible tells us that we'll be with Jesus forever. What a day that will be, amen? When my Jesus I will see, when I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. That's exciting stuff. And we will get to hear... If you're saved, even if you're not saved, but it won't be as good. But we'll get to hear the voice of God. What an amazing thought that is. We have a Savior who cares. We have a Savior who is powerful. We have a Savior who reunites. And I don't know where you're at spiritually. And I'm done. I'm not going to preach long today. But I might just ask you a very, very important question. I've already asked it a couple times since I've been up here. Do you know Him as your Savior? In other words, is this one called Christ? Is He real to you? I'm not talking about you changing your lifestyle. I'm not talking about you, hey, listen, if you live a bad lifestyle, it's good to change your lifestyle, live in a good way. That's good. That's not going to get you to heaven. Amen? Might make you a better American. Might make make you feel better on the inside. But hey, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. You need to accept Christ as your Savior. And Christian, I'll just ask you again, are you living for a risen Savior? A Savior that cares, a Savior that has power, a Savior that is going to give you a great gift of heaven someday. Hey, if that don't motivate you to live for Him and drop some of the things of this world, nothing will. Amen. Nothing will. There's so many things we can pull from this message I'm going to have to go ahead and stand as our musician comes, and she's going to begin playing the piano softly, and I'm going to ask the rest of us, we would, to stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. And I'm just going to have a word of prayer, and I believe as we think about Easter coming up, we think about Calvary and the, the days ahead before the resurrection and the, the things that our Lord and Savior went through to provide a way for us, to provide a way of escape to be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm reminded of that. I'm also convicted there's so much more I could be doing for the Lord, not to be saved or to stay saved, but because I'm saved. And maybe 